Uh, the scripture we'll be looking at today is in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hair, a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Brandon. So, some of you are, I'll have to kind of like dodge a little bit here so you can see me. Uh, it's, uh, it's good to be up here. It is a really powerful text. I'm really excited to get into it. Um, as uh, Tony already mentioned, uh, today is Palm Sunday. And it's the beginning of Holy Week. And I do, we're going to say this again at the end, but I just want to encourage you. Uh, it's a good thing to be a part of it. We have a lot going on this week. We've got devotionals every day. We have our Good Friday service at 5 on Friday. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you to try to be as part of as much of that as you can. I know some of you won't even be around. A lot of people go home over the holiday. But <clears throat> for those of you who are, I do really want to encourage you to try to be a part of it. And get excited for next week when we have a, we have a baptism. We've got uh, a, um, two services. One's baptism. One is going to be a traditional Easter service. So a lot of things to be looking forward to. A lot of things to be celebrating. We want to remember this. We, we here are, uh, call ourselves an Easter church. We take Easter very serious. This is why we do so many different things to be involved in. So that's just something to encourage you with. Uh, today is Palm Sunday, but uh, so after all that, that we're, you know, taking Easter really serious, we're not going to be doing an Easter sermon or a, a Palm Sunday sermon today. Uh, we're going to be, as you probably might have guessed from the text reading, uh, we're going to be continuing where we left off from last week. Uh, next week there'll be no church at five, so I wanted to really connect with what we talked about last week because uh, Jesus is kind of really continuing a, a point that he began. I'm going to move this a little bit. Sorry, guys. Otherwise, I'm going to trip on it for sure. That'll be great on the live stream. Um, and, uh, but I do want to mention, because I do think there's just a, a little bit of a tie-in. I could have maybe, maybe done it better, but um, uh, we, we do see in our text that we are to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. 
and that all these things will be given to us as well. And Palm Sunday, uh, among other things, is certainly a celebration of Jesus coming as King. He is establishing a kingdom, an eternal kingdom, uh, not through traditional means. They didn't, uh, as he came in on that day, on Palm Sunday, they uh, didn't uh, realize that he was going to be heading to his own death. But a kingdom is what he established. And so we can keep that in mind as we look at what we're going to be talking about today. As I kind of was preparing, I just feel like I want to preach on this text over and over again. There's just so much and so many things that are, that are very practical for us to get out of it. I want to stay with one specific focus, though. I know there's always more to be said, uh, and that's all kind of tie you into what that's going to be about with the title. The title for today is Nothing to Worry About. Nothing to Worry About. Wait, nothing? There's some things we should be worried about. Nothing. There's nothing to worry about. Jesus is emphasizing this point again and again throughout the text. He's a little bit repetitious. You might, uh, so if you think I'm repetitious, sometimes uh, I've heard that feedback in my sermons. I'm just following Jesus' example, so uh, you can keep that in mind next time you want to tell me that I'm being repetitious. Uh, Jesus is, is repeating himself again and again that there's nothing to worry about. We don't need to be worrying I either was going to do that or the other option to call the sermon today was going to be, don't worry, be happy. That way you guys could all leave with a song in your head. For those of you who've heard that song, you're probably already singing it. Uh, But it's an important topic. It's an incredibly important topic because, oh, how we love to worry. We worry about things. It's a part of our, our human DNA, I feel like. I've never met anybody who says that I've ne- they've never worried about anything in their life. We tend to worry. We lean towards worry, and worry seems to come at us. We worry about yesterday. Did I make the right choices? Did I do the right thing? Oh, is that going to work out? Was I wrong there? We, th- we worry about yesterday, about the choices we made. We worry about tomorrow. What will come? What might come? What might not come? Do we have everything we need? Are we prepared? Will we pass the exam? Will we get the job? We worry, worry, worry about so many things. And I know that every single one of us here has battled with worry in one way or another in one topic or another, or one part of our life or another. In the context of this passage, of course, it's dealing with the worry over our needs, over our needs. But uh, living in the West as we do, uh, we tend to maybe not worry about those things quite as much. Those tend to be, uh, we live in a society where most of us are are fairly okay when it comes to food and clothing. Uh, But this because we, we can then apply that to extend beyond that because we, we worry about everything else. When, we, when those things are taken care of, we just find another thing to focus our worry on. So it, it is focusing on that, but really I think we can extend it that all worry, worry of any kind, is completely fruitless. It doesn't produce anything. It doesn't help us. It doesn't encourage us. It doesn't, it doesn't make anything better. So why do we do it? It's a fruitless effort. And I want to just emphasize, and I'll repeat myself on this one a few times throughout the sermon, uh, is that worry is not simply something that's passive, right? It's not just we fall into worry or we just kind of end up finding ourselves worrying. I think worry is something that actively comes against us. It's an active force that comes against us and cripples us and it distracts us. And last week we saw 
this image of the healthy eye that Jesus gives us. And I pointed out that we need to be single-minded. We need to have our eyes focused on our Lord, on our Father, our Heavenly Father who provides for us, who takes care of us, who looks after us. We need to have our eyes fixed on Him. And worry is one of the devil's greatest tools to cripple us to distract us, to distort our vision so that it divides our focus, so that we don't have our eyes fixed on our Lord, on Christ. We have maybe one eye up there and one eye thinking about all of our mistakes from yesterday and all of our worries about tomorrow. It distracts us. It divides our focus. And I know that every one of us has things that we worry about, right? We all have things that maybe you think, yeah, I worry about this, I worry about that. But I know that for some of you, maybe some of you here today, some of you maybe watching this later online, that worry is something that has genuinely crippled you from stepping out into what God has for you. It's, it's caused you to, to be frozen in your tracks, not able to move forward because you're so worried about what might or might not happen. It's prevented you from ministry. It's prevented you from serving. It's prevented you from truly loving and trusting your Lord, your Heavenly Father, with all your heart. It's crippled you in your steps. Worry can do this, and especially for those of you who are maybe in that category. I hope that today we will all have a deeper understanding of the true reality that there is, in fact, nothing to worry about. Not when we belong to the Lord. Not when we have our Heavenly Father who watches out for us. There's nothing to worry about. Jesus is going to make a compelling argument. I love the way Jesus does this. It's not just some blind abstract idea or some blind concept that we need to simply hold on to loosely. It's, he's going to go through an argument that applies to something, gives us a choice. It's a compelling right to show us that we really don't need to worry and that we have a choice and that we can choose to live with worry even though we know, we know in our minds, it doesn't add anything to our life. It doesn't add any days to our life. It doesn't add any value to the situation. It doesn't have any impact on what we're actually worrying about. And so that's one option. The other is to choose to live by faith. To choose to live by faith, to have a strong faith, not a weak faith, not little faith, but to have strong faith, trusting in a loving Heavenly Father to take care of us and to provide all that we need, to go ahead of us wherever we go in whatever situation we will face. So let's begin. Verse 25. Let's read it again. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Now let me just begin by saying, therefore, I love therefores in the Bible. It, uh, it just really shows us how it's connecting. So everything he's been building on in the previous section, and especially what we looked at, I mean really from the whole sermon, but especially what we looked at last week, it's, we see that there's a direct connection. It's connecting us with the passage we looked at last week. And there we saw that we should store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Right? Store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not here on earth, where it will fade, it, will, it won't last, it, can't, it doesn't have any real eternal value, and we should be thinking and focusing on something beyond the materialism, the materialistic nature that the rest of the world focuses on here on the earth. 
So it's about materialism, showing that we cannot ultimately serve two masters, right? In all that we do, we're going, to be, we're going to be living for something. We're going to be living with a willingness to sacrifice our time, to sacrifice our energies, our efforts for something. And it's either going to be for our Lord and for His glory, or it's going to be ultimately, usually in one way or another, for materialism, whether it's money or status and kind of being seen a, cert- a certain way. We're going to be sacrificing for something, and so we then have the choice of what we sacrifice for. And we should choose the right master, which is our Lord. And Jesus is now continuing with his point that he made with all of that. (laughs) You can listen to it if you weren't here. You can listen to it from last week. Uh, He's continuing with his point by reminding Christians, reminding Christians, and I want to be very clear, I always say this a lot, but I'm not just talking about people who call themselves Christian. I feel like that term has gotten way too loose in our modern society. I'm talking about genuine, regenerate believers on Jesus Christ as their Lord, biblical Jesus Christ, knowing Him to be their Lord and their Savior, committing their lives to Him, surrendering themselves, knowing that they're sinners and having put their trust in Christ as their Lord for their salvation. Christians, that, so Christians not only should, as Christians, not only should we avoid seeking the glories of this world, seeking the treasures of this world, but now Jesus is going to continue this point by saying that we shouldn't even worry about the necessities. We shouldn't even worry about the necessities of this life. Of course, as long as we live in this world, we do have necessities. We have things that we need, right? I need to eat. I need to eat. Currently, I'm quite hungry, so I'm really feeling that need right now. Maybe I'll have to go get a burger or something after this. Uh, (laughs) We need food. We need to eat. And we need clothes. You know, the weather outside, you know, it's not too bad right now. But, you know, in winter, we have to protect ourselves. We need clothes. We need food. But also being eternal creatures as we are, we tend to always be looking ahead, right? We're, we want to be thinking ahead, which is a good thing in itself. And this presents us then with two worldview perspectives, right? When we're looking ahead and we're thinking about these things that we need, our needs that we have, we can live with a perspective of faith, thinking of the eternal perspective always before us, or we can be, have one, a worldview of fear, driven by fear, crippled by fear. And worry is something that consumes us. Worry consumes us. It causes us to feel anxious, to feel nervous, to feel fearful, to be paralyzed in our tracks, not wanting to move forward. It invokes emotion, and in this it blinds us. It blinds us to reason. It blinds us to the reality of our situation. It blinds us to reason. And Jesus shows us that there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about. And he's going to do this by showing us the reasonable truth about what we ourselves proclaim to believe. Right? I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Okay, you believe that. Well, then let's follow a bit of a path here through using our minds, using our reason, and show that we don't have anything to worry about. See, faith is not blind. Faith is not meant to be blind or stupid or arrogant or 
ignorant. That's not what faith is meant to be. Jesus is going to demonstrate faith as something that's reasonable. It's reasonable. In reality, it is unreasonable to worry. It's unreasonable to worry. It doesn't make sense for the Christian when, in fact, there's nothing to worry about and it doesn't really make any difference whether we worry or not. So why worry? Verse 25 continues on there. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Let's think on that. This is where he begins. What is life and what is our body? What is life and what is our body? Now, without getting too biological or philosophical, uh, let me kind of summarize it like this, if we're thinking about this in a Christian perspective. Having this perspective of faith, knowing what I know to be true about who God is and who He says I am, well, our life, every breath, the exact number of days that we will live and our existence on this earth, are these not simply at the very core of what they are, a gift Are they not a gift of God? They're simply a gift of God. Every breath we take, the number of our days, they're a gift out of God's grace for us. Our body, its design, its function, its beauty, our health, are these not also simply gifts from our good and gracious Creator? It's a good thing that we have. We've been given this great gift Life is more than food. Food is not what gives us life. God gives me life. Food is merely a means of sustaining the gift that I've received from my Creator. It just sustains the life that I've been given. But it's not in itself the life. It's not the gift of life. God is the giver of life. What I wear does not define me. My body belongs to the Lord who gave it to me. I don't need to be consumed with these things that are simply a means. But it is God's gift to me. Jesus begins kind of with this really broad perspective. If you are so worried about having your needs met... You're defining your life by what sustains it. You're defining your life by what sustains it. Defining your body by what covers it. Forgetting about where you truly come from. That doesn't make sense. It's unreasonable to think that way. Let's think about who our God is. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with Him, so along with our salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, graciously give us all things. Take a perspective of faith. Take a perspective of faith. Rest in what you know to be true. Everything is in God's hands. You belong to Him. Everything that you have is a gift from Him. So why do you worry about such small things? Why do we worry about such insignificant things? If he was willing for Jesus to be sacrificed so that we can have a relationship with God, so that we can be called children of God, how silly it is to worry about the little things of this world. It's unreasonable. 
And in verse 26 through 30, Jesus is going to be just continuing with his appeal to our reason, giving us actual observations to consider. The first is in verse 26. Look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now Jesus pointed to something that's right in front of us, right? So it's, it's not some you know, elaborate uh, example. It's, hey, look at the birds. It's springtime right now. We're getting closer into that time of the year where you kind of hear the birds chirping in the morning, sometimes a bit earlier than I'd like. But uh, there they are. And they come every year. And as far as I know, at least in my house, I've never seen any like tiny little bird barns you know, where they keep all their food so that they can be fed whenever they're hungry. That would be silly. be ridiculous. But they, they have food. Now, of course, we have to look at Jesus' example and realize that the worms aren't just simply appearing in the bird's mouth. You know, they don't just like, all right, God. That's not what it means. They work. They gather. And yet, we see that through God's providence and God's plan, God's systems that he's created, they are provided for. God's in control. God knows what he's doing. Jesus is only asking us to have reasonable faith. If there are birds who are fed through the systems that God has designed, don't you think your heavenly Father will take care of you? Don't you think your heavenly Father will take care of you and your situation? Now, of course, yes, we need to work. Don't just go home and be like, all right, God, fill my bank account. That's not, if you don't, and Paul says, uh, and another place in the New Testament, if you don't, those who don't work uh, don't need to eat. So if you want to eat, you should work. We need to work if we want to eat, but there is never a need to worry. There's never a need to worry, even when things get right on the edge. And I can tell you, this is off my notes, always dangerous, but I can tell you from my own experience, when I first moved here, I had nothing. I had to rely on, on God just kind of, you know, making ways for me to be able to have enough food. And I can tell you, it was sometimes a challenging time, but I've really learned that God will provide. God takes care of us. And when we are his children, we don't need to worry. We don't need to worry. There were times where it was like, I got to, you know, pay the rent next month and I don't have the money to do it. And I just had to say, all right, God, I need your help. I know that you'll take care of this. I know that you are a good and gracious Father. You will not leave me. You will not forsake me. You are with me. You are going before me. And also, I really want to tie in with this, this image of a father. It's so important. As I, as I mentioned several times, we see that kind of uh, beginning really in chapter 6 where he really is emphasizing this idea of father. And it's not just that we have a creator that takes care of us. It's that we have a father who is also the creator. But he's our father. And I can tell you, for me, I mean, I'm not a cruel person. Uh, you know, if I see an animal that's in need and I can help, I'm, I'll help. I'm not, gonna, I'm, I'm not cruel towards animals. I think it's, it's good to take care of an animal if we can. But I can tell you, or I can promise you, that I will never take care of an animal at the neglect of my own children. You know, if I've got enough food for my children and I see, you know, a starving animal, that animal's going to starve. My children are going to get that food first. So how much more will our Heavenly Father, I'm not a perfect father, I have a lot of flaws, how much more will our Heavenly Father, who does care for the animals, who's taken care of, of these, through these systems that He's created, 
How much more through his general, doing that through his general providence, how much more will he care for you and for me, his children? His children. It's, that's what Jesus is saying here. It's, it, it's unreasonable. If he's taking care of the animals, surely you understand he's going to take care of you. And verse 27, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? If everything is in God's hands under His providence, what do you think worrying will do to add to your life? It makes no sense. It's unreasonable. It doesn't make any sense. What are you going to gain when you're worrying about this or that? Do what you have to do. <laughs> if it's an exam, you study for the exam, but don't spend your night worrying. <laughs> we waste so much on worry. And Jesus goes on to give us another observation to consider after the birds, verse 28 through 29. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that, never, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now that transition to flowers is interesting because when we kind of see this idea of, of how by worrying, we're not going to add to our life. We're not going to be able to make it longer in any way. And this idea of flowers, um, and you know, kind of, it's it's, all, it's interesting because it was also also used in other biblical imagery in Psalms, and I'll read here one from Isaiah uh, to show how short our lives are, to show how quickly our lives will pass. Isaiah forty verse six says, "All people are like grass." And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. It's saying, it's just, it's gone in a moment. And, uh, and it mentions there with a, you know, you're being, that's here today, gone tomorrow. Your life is short. Your life is short. But it is in the hands of a good and gracious Heavenly Father. And it is true that... The intricacies, intricacies, sorry, intricacies, colors and the beauty of the flowers, they're unmatched by anything in man's creation. It's, it's amazing sometimes, uh, the flowers that we can see and what God has produced. So if God cares about such detail as the beauty of a flower, what are we worried about? Which was literally cut and thrown into the fires. It was used often when, with cooking. They would take kind of bundles of, of the flowers. Verse 30 says, if that, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you? Will He not much more take care of you? How much more will He care for you and your needs in your short life here on earth? Because our lives are short, but they're not as short as a flower of the field, and yet God even cares for those. And beyond that, we are eternal beings. God has set eternity in the hearts of man. This life may be temporary, but we look ahead to something that goes on forever. And so we want to be building up, and this ties in with last week, that treasure in heaven. And here in John 6, 27, it also gives us the image of, of food even. It says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So we can look at the birds, we can look at the grass, 
God cares about these things. Don't we understand that God cares so much more for us, that we are of such greater value than these things? And this brings us to a very sobering phrase that Jesus uses, and this is for those who are plagued by worry, who are plagued by worry, who are not living by faith, not a strong faith. It says, you of little faith. You of little faith. I think none of us want that to be said of us. None of us want to, say, to have Jesus say, Oh, you of little faith. Oh, why is your faith so small? I know that I still have growing to do with my own faith. So we always want to be growing our faith, but man, that it would hopefully not be said that we have little faith. And what, what, is that, what does that mean? What do we do with this? Well, I think we can think of it this way. How many of us believe on Jesus? We believe on Jesus but we don't believe Jesus. We believe on Jesus, but we don't believe Jesus. Notice that he, he doesn't say, you who have no faith. He's like, you have no faith. But he doesn't say it like that. He says, you have little faith. You have little faith. So they have faith. They have something. They believe something. They have faith. And this whole section, again, is addressed to believers. It's addressed to believers. This is the children of God. They have faith, but they have little faith. They have weak faith. And I think we could put it this way. They have saving faith. They have saving faith. They believe that Jesus, they believe on Jesus. They believe that Jesus is their Lord. They trust in the work of the cross for their salvation. I say amen to that. But they don't believe anything that Jesus says about them. They don't believe the promises of the word of God. They don't think that God cares enough to take care of them. They don't trust God to provide for them. They're stricken with worry, with doubt, and with fear. Distracted, crippled in their faith. Do you have a faith in Jesus for your salvation? But then stop when it comes to faith in Jesus for your life for your life today and tomorrow, trusting Him with everything. You might say, well, wait, you know, my problems, my problems are too big. They're too big. I, and it's my fault. I've messed up. I've done this and I've done that. And I just, I don't know if God can, can really get me back on the right track or really fix this whole situation. So I'm just, I'm worried about what, where things are going and I, I don't know what to do. And, or maybe you think, God, my problems are too small. <coughs> my problems are too small. God doesn't care about this little thing. Man, he cares about your food. He cares about your clothes. He cares about everything. It doesn't matter how big or how small. Believe in what Jesus says. It's good that you have maybe saving faith, that you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord. But then you worry about this and worry about that. True faith is a faith that extends to every part of our life. It extends to every part of our life. If you have saving faith and you see God as your father, then trust him as a father who cares for his children. If you believe that, if you trust him that, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ, I see God as my father, well, why don't take that next step too? So he's going to take care of me as a loving father. 
Jesus did not die on the cross simply so that you could have a nice little ticket into heaven that you put in your back pocket and, you know, just kind of worry your way through life, try to do your best, but yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out, and, but I know I'm going to get to heaven because I know Jesus died for my sins. Man, live for God today. Live in faith for who God says that you are. God cares about your life today, right now. The Bible is absolutely filled with the promises for believers. So many things we could look at. But we don't have time. <laughs> Read your Bible. But let's just begin with one. Try to increase your faith today. Hold on to this one truth right here and from our text that Jesus is re-emphasizing over and over as we go through it. There's nothing to worry about. So when you feel worry coming on, remember, there's nothing to worry about. When worry comes and it's trying to distract you, trying to distort your understanding of your reality, hold to this promise. Your heavenly Father sees you and there's nothing to worry about. No matter what happens, your life is in His hands. No matter what happens. And as you trust in Him, your faith will grow. Your faith will grow. And you'll have less of a weak faith, of just this kind of saving faith. It's like ticket to heaven kind of sense of, of Christianity. And you'll begin to see that you can trust Him. You can rely on Him. And then you can step out in faith. You can step out and trust Him in ministry. You can trust Him where He calls you to serve. You can trust Him where He calls you to go. Because he, you know He's faithful. That you know you are a new creature in Christ. You are not who you were. You are a child of God. And he sees you, he cares for you, he loves you. Jesus again tells us in verse 31 to 32, so do not worry. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows that you need them. And I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I think maybe a lot of us are thinking, well, you know, I'm not really that worried about food, I'm not really worried about clothing. So let's add to this verse all of our what-if worries. All of your what-if worries. What if I don't pass the test? What if something happens and I don't have enough money saved up? What if I'm not ready for this or that? And you can fill in the what-ifs. You probably have them already rolling through your mind right now. What if, what if, what if, what if? Oh, how stupid it is when we worry about things we have no control over. You have no control over of those what-ifs. You're not adding anything. You're not helping anything. How silly it is that we worry about things that do not even exist yet. Nor may ever exist. When you worry about those what-ifs, they're not real. <laughs> they don't even exist. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But worrying about it isn't going to change anything. But it will cripple you today. The world is concerned with such things. Because they don't know a Heavenly Father who promises to provide for them, who sees them, who loves them, who cares for them. You are a child of God. Act like it. You're a child of God. Act like it. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. He knows what you need because He knows what's coming even though you don't. 
So you're battling with these what ifs, what if, what if, what if. God's like, man, I can tell you so many times that I've had, I've like really battled with some what ifs and uh, God just really putting this peace in my heart like, wait. And then it didn't, nothing, nothing I was worried about happened. Everything that I thought was going to happen, all of this kind of, this kind of chaos I thought I was heading into, God took care of it already before I even got there. And I've learned now to wait and see. Because sometimes, you know, if we start rolling this what ifs, what ifs, we can drive ourselves crazy. When if we just waited a few days, we'd feel, we'd realize everything we thought we needed to worry about isn't ever going to be a problem. God already had a plan, already was taking care of it. Save yourself the trouble, save yourself the stress, the anxiety, which damages, even physically damages your health to be stuck in these, in these what-ifs, uh, kind of anxiety spirals. We are children of God. Let us act like it. Let us rely on it, trust in it, and with faith know who we are in Christ. He knows what's coming. He's going before you, and He's preparing us in ways we couldn't prepare ourselves. And now we get to an, act, an active action that we can take to fight against worry. Verse 33 but, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. He keeps telling us, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. God will take care of all that. Don't focus on that. Focus on Him. Seek first. Though, I want to be clear here. When we talk about seek first, our lives are full. We have so much going on. So many things going on in our life. So many things that we fill ourselves with. Seek first does not mean that we should put seeking God and living for Him simply at the top of a list of things that we care about. Okay, well, I'll just call Sunday the beginning of the week and I'll seek Him in church and then the rest of the week I'll do whatever I want, but I'm going to seek Him first. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean putting God at the top of a list. God is not interested in getting a portion of your life. He wants it all. He wants it all. He doesn't want just a portion. He wants everything. He wants, seek first means that in everything we do, we seek Him in doing it. I want to glorify God as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend, as a, as a, as a worker, as a student. I want to glorify Him in everything I do. Even when I'm enjoy, enjoying free time, we can do everything to the glory of God. God's not interested in getting some little piece of your pie. We need to surrender all of ourselves to Him. Everything. We surrender ourselves to Him. Only then are we really truly His children. And I say this with confidence because of my own experience, as I mentioned, especially when I first moved to Germany, but still today in a lot of ways. <laughs> if you're living your life to glorify God, to live righteous before Him. Not perfect, but if you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, if the Beatitudes and all of the character traits mentioned there are applied to your, are, are being applied to your life and, and being seen as a fruit in your life, and you truly are a child of God, a Christian, you will always be taken care of. You will always be taken care of. The Bible tells us this. It's a promise. Now, I want to be clear, that doesn't mean you're going to have everything according to the world's standards, that everything you want or everything you desire in, that, in a worldly sense. 
especially if your treasure is here in worldly possessions and you seek the glories of this world. But as you live to the glory of God, because you love him, your desires will be filled. Your desires will be filled and satisfied because what you want most of all is him. Because what you want most of all is him. And as that begins to be your reality, your faith grows and you see him in your life and you trust him. And you begin to remove fear and worry from your heart. And as you do, it's, we, we replace it. We replace that worry with something greater. Our concern, we concern ourselves with the kingdom first, the kingdom of God, immersing ourselves in our relationship with God. We, seeking, we seek Him through prayer, through meditation on His Word. We bring Him into every part of our life. And in this, there will be no room left for worry. Because when God is immersed into every part of your life, you can't squeeze worry in anywhere else. You can't squeeze worry about this or that because God's there. God's there. Verse 34. This is, I think, a really important thing to grasp. Therefore, do not worry, again, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's the truth. Each day has enough trouble. Why are we worrying about tomorrow? And Jesus is really kind of like hitting, you know, ham, you know, hitting the hammer on top of our heads, I feel like here. Uh, he's like, are you getting it? Stop worrying. There's nothing to worry about. Don't worry. He wants to, uh, us to understand this truth that when, when you live with worry, you're crippling yourself for today. When you worry about tomorrow, you're crippling yourself for today. Worry is, again, rarely a passive thing. It's an active force that will come against you. You need to learn to fight it. To choose not to dwell on worry, but rather to live by faith in your Heavenly Father. Bringing Him in, again, to every part of your life. And when we spend our day worrying, we miss out on the present. We miss out on the present. We miss out on what God has for us today, what He wants you to do today, because we're worrying about tomorrow. And I will, let me put it this way. If you're like, I have to worry about something. I just, it's just in my nature. I need to be worried. I just, I can't imagine not being worried. Some, there's some people who feel that way. If that's the case, if you absolutely need to worry about something, never let your worry be beyond this day. Never let your worry extend beyond today. Anything else is foolish and a waste of time because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Now, does this mean that we should do nothing? Should we not be preparing for the future? Of course, of course. As we saw with the birds. And I think of a farmer. I think of a farmer who has three options to prepare for the future, right? Number one, he could just sit and wait. He could sit and wait and just sit on his porch and say, God will provide. God will plant the fields. God will provide what is needed. God will make it grow. I'm just going to wait for God to provide. That's foolish. That's the extreme in the wrong direction, and it's a misunderstanding of applied faith. 
His second option would be to plant, and this is where a lot of us lie, to plant the field and then sit and pace back and forth, worried about what might happen. What if it doesn't rain? What if I didn't plant enough? What if, what if the yield isn't enough to, to provide for my family? Uh, what, what if the, the crop comes up and somebody comes in and steals all of, my, all of the, the crop before I get to it? What, what purpose is, does that serve? What, what do you gain from that? How does that help him? <laughs> this is little faith. The third option that we should apply is to be focused on what we can do today, to serve God with all of our heart today, to plant the field, and then to trust that God will provide, to wait on the Lord. This is where joy comes in. This is where we have peace. When Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to him and get rest. Trust him. All right, God, I did all that I can. I've come right to the edge of what I can do. Now I give it to you. I can't. There's nothing else I can do. I trust you. I trust you. And the cool thing is, is that God is a good father. It's, he's not a boss, right? If, you're a bo- if you have a boss, you know, you can like say, well, you know, I... I was supposed to work six hours, I worked two hours. You know, can I still get my full pay? And be like, no. But God's not our boss. He's a good father. He knows that even when we, when we mess up, even when we don't do enough, even when we don't really reach our full potential, he meets, he meets us where we're at. He says, it's all right. And we see that in a lot of examples that Jesus gives throughout the New Testament. But you have to read your Bible so we don't have much time. Do what, you're, what, God, what God is calling you to do today, but then trust Him. Trust Him. Rest in Him. So you should work. We should study for the test. We should do what we need to do, but we don't need to worry. We don't need to stay up all night worrying and pacing. Prepare for what's ahead. Learn from what's behind, but don't waste a single second of your day, of your life, worrying about anything because there's nothing really to worry about. You will gain absolutely nothing through worrying about tomorrow, but you will lose today. That is truth. You won't gain anything by worrying about tomorrow, but you'll lose today. This is why Jesus gives us these examples. Take up your cross daily. Follow Jesus daily. And the next time worry comes at you and attacks you with all of those what-if questions that plague you, and worry and doubt starts to weigh on you, you can decide, you can boldly declare, no, I will not dwell on worry. I will choose faith. I will trust in my Father. He'll provide. You can do this through prayer. You can do this through reading the promises of God that are true over your life. And you can apply reason, reasonable faith. If I trust Jesus with my salvation, surely I can trust what he says about me. And when he says I don't need to worry, I don't need to worry. If I trust him with my salvation, surely I can trust what he says to be true as well. If my heavenly Father is the creator of the universe who governs all things. Surely he can take care of my problems. Surely he can work all things out together for good in my life according to his 
purpose. God wants us to remember the past. He wants us to plan for the future, but to live in the present. So we don't need to worry. There's nothing to worry about. Amen? I'm going to invite the band to come up as I close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that we can trust you, that we can rely on you, that we can know that your promises are true. It's so easy to say this, but sometimes so hard to live it. I pray that you would guide us, work in our hearts, that we can increase our faith, that we would not have weak faith or small faith or merely saving faith, but faith in all that you say about us, faith in all that you are. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I invite you to stand and we'll worship.